Today's episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast is sponsored by the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, a national membership network in support of a movement to let the world know that our black men and boys matter. They're an asset to our communities and our country. And as a nation, we cannot truly prosper when any group of people are excluded and forced to exist on the fringes of society. The well-being of black men and boys has direct influence on the strength of our families, our communities, and our nation as a whole. My ask, Blazer Nation, is that you'd consider joining and investing in the Campaign for Black Male Achievement as we head into the holiday season. Your contribution is going to help CBME to amplify and catalyze black male achievement around the country. To do so, I ask that you'd visit blackmaleachievement.org and select either of the options to join and or donate to this movement today. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Blazing Nation, what's up? I'm your host, Stephen Hart. You're listening in to episode one. 46. Can't believe it, right? That we're 146 already. But this episode goes live the week of Thanksgiving. And so I just wanted to start this episode off and give thanks and praise for the Almighty giving me life and health and family and all of you. And I'm forever grateful for the many blessings I have. And my prayer each and every day is that the good Lord would bless me that I might be a blessing to others. And so those of you who are diehards, you know, you know, I'm about gratitude on the show, right? We start every episode off that way. I'll always continue to do that. But, you know, this is definitely not a once a year thing for me, right? But in this season, in this time, I am pausing to reflect on the unexpected blessings that I'm most grateful for. And so among the many blessings this year, Obviously, earlier this year, I would have to reflect back on the feature that we received on the homepage of Apple Podcast. Landing that opportunity exploded our reach and our downloads this year in a big way. We had amazing interviews this year also with so many great people, but among the many, I think back to the year starting off with John Rogers Jr. Most recently, we had the amazing Janice Bryant Harroyd on and so many other amazing people on the podcast. I'm I'm blessed to look back and see the Apple feature and some of these amazing black success stories helping us to once again double our year-over-year downloads. This is a third year of the podcast and for the third consecutive year we've doubled our downloads over the prior year. So I'm blessed and grateful for that happening once again. Also this fall, despite Every signal and sign saying this wasn't going to happen, I pushed really hard and was able to launch the first cycle of my branding academy, of my brand course called Brand You Academy. And so grateful, so excited right now as I'm seeing the results for what's coming out of this first cohort. And I'm seeing people putting in the work and getting those results. I'm so excited about that. I'm also excited about the amazing people around me, the people who help to keep this podcast going, folks like Sean Dove, 
and the entire team over at the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. Listen up, your partnership and sponsorship of this podcast is what has kept us consistent and polished and kept us going. I don't know that this podcast gets this far without your support. So CBME has afforded us so much. Among them is being able to afford the kind of resources that we need. A team like Podcast Fast Track, who you know is able to help us with our editing week over week. Mike, my man, Mike Slavich is our podcast editor over at Podcast Fast Track. And each and every week puts out just amazing quality content for us and make sure that, you know, our episodes sound so polished and I'm so grateful for you guys. And there's also the amazing Mrs. Annette Richards, who on a weekly basis for more than a year now has provided me amazing show notes for what you guys see over on tbpod.com. I'm so grateful for you, Annette, and your continued support and love in helping to push us on and in helping to get that show notes out on a weekly basis. Listen, there are not many Sunday nights that I'm not putting the last touches on an episode and Annette's right there with me. And and so lastly, you know, I'm grateful to all of you to our Blazer Nation diehards, your love and support on a weekly basis, whether you're sending me a DM or you're retweeting an episode or sharing something in IG stories, or you just hit me up in WhatsApp to hail me and, and encourage me and support me. I appreciate the constant love and the cheers and just the push to keep going. You all are black excellence. And I salute each and every one of you. Appreciate you. A bit longer welcome than usual, but wanted to get that out and just let you know I appreciate you. So let's go ahead and, you know, let me tee up this week's episode. Our featured guest today is R.M. Harrison. R.M. is a business strategist and pivot consultant, and she helps women entrepreneurs to build a path to personal fulfillment in their careers so that they avoid burnout and sustain the motivation that they need to achieve their fullest potential. Blazing Nation, let's get set to dive in and listen to this week's conversation with our featured guest, R.M. Harrison. Hope you enjoy. RM, welcome to Trailblazers. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for today's show. Yes, yes, yes. So I want to kick things off by having you share an unexpected blessing that you're most grateful for in your life right now. Mm, well, it's not entirely unexpected, but for the last several years now, I had been planning to relocate to Austin, Texas. And for one reason or another, it just didn't work out, either the timing or the money or a combination of both. But as of May 10th, 2018, I technically became a resident of Austin, Texas. And wow. on June 23rd, I will be moving there. That is fantastic. Congratulations <laughs> on that. I feel like this is the Silicon Valley of the South now. Like everybody is popping up in Austin. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre because I hadn't even seen Austin as that type of city. I just really enjoyed the vibe there, you know? The music scene and the arts scene and the food, oh my goodness. But yeah, I mean, it's really sprouted up in the last several years and yeah, it's booming. So you're just trying to get rid of the DMV? Is that, you know, just kind <laughs> of paying taxes up here? <laughs> yeah, I've been here pretty much my whole life and I, I think I'm ready to start a new chapter now. And Austin feels like the best place to do that. Gotcha. Is DC, Maryland like home for you? Is this where you're yeah. born? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I was born in Southeast D.C. Wow. <laughs> People say I don't say it right because I pronounce the T.H. instead of the F. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, born in Southeast, raised for the most part in Prince George's County, Maryland. And yeah, with the exception of a few stints in New York and San Diego and, you know, other parts of the country, I've been here. All of my family's here. Yeah. So D.C., Maryland, for better or for worse, is home. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to call Austin my new hometown. Venture into something new. That's exciting. Love that we start off there. So let me ask you, growing up here, what was the big goal? Did you have the entrepreneurial bug back then? Maybe in high school? (laughs) Well, in high school, I wanted to be a fiction writer. I just knew for sure I was going to be a novelist and screenwriter and that I would be the writer who like wrote books and published novels and then would sell the screenplay rights to someone awesome and like Sanaa Hamri or someone like that. And they <laughs> and they would turn it into a film. That was like the dream. Ever since I was probably 10 years old, I thought I was going to have this amazing, super creative, awesome life in New York, actually. Wow. And so for undergrad, for the brief time that I was an undergrad, I was in school in New York. But yeah, so that was the goal. The goal was always to get out of the D.C., like out of the DMV. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to leave DMV. (laughs) Just go. Like, the second that I knew I could, like, feed myself, (laughs) like, I got to get out of here. But yeah, so high school was going to be a writer. By the time I got into college, the vision had evolved from writing to filmmaking and then photography. And then at some point, I landed into graphic design which ended up being the premise of my first business. Yeah. And that was back in 2011, I guess, that I started that first business and didn't realize that wasn't going to be a good fit for me either. But, you know, all the things you learn about yourself. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I love this. So we're going to come back to this because I want us to expand on that, where where that entrepreneurial journey began. But before we do, the curious Stephen... (laughs) (laughs) wants to know if RM is your initials and what does that stand for? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've had other people try to pry that out of me, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) RM, it is my first initials, my first and middle initials. And I tell people you have to buy me two cocktails to get the full (laughs) name. (laughs) I actually like to keep the mystery. I mean, it's not a huge secret, but, you know, it's a fun little mystery. I love when people try to guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, right. like, I'm just going to stick with that. <laughs> you know, the marketer in me now is, is determined to figure right. this out. The research is like, uh-huh. I'm going to text you your name in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Blazer Nation knows my name. <laughs> Probably knows too much about me. So let me ask you, how has that helped or hurt with branding? By going with RM? Well, RM is definitely distinctive. Um, (laughs) And for the most part, it's really easy to remember. I think sometimes people want to like change up the initials because it's like, Mm -hmm. maybe this doesn't entirely roll off the tongue. (laughs) But then once it's cemented, which is relatively easy, they're like, yeah, RM, RM. RM Harrison definitely stands out as like a byline or, you know, as like mm-hmm. a name and a title. So then it's like, who is this RM? And then what does RM stand for? And now let nice. me find out everything I need to know about RM. So I feel like Love. it's helped more than anything else. And like anytime I mention, <laughs> you know, the whole, you have to buy me two cocktails, they're like, deal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a positive thing. 
Wow. That's awesome. I love it. Love it. So let's <laughs> go back to this entrepreneurial journey and where things got started for you yeah. on this journey. <laughs> Figure things out on your own. I mean, you're a creative, right? I mean, you touched on graphic design and writing and so many other talents that, you know, how did that morph into you thinking, you know, I could do this for myself? Yeah. So I got into the workforce at about age 19, maybe kind of late for a lot of people's standards, actually. (laughs) But after I kind of had to take a break from undergrad, I kind of got thrown into the corporate world and it was full-time, nine to five, job, get up every day, show up at the same place, sign in, sign out. And very quickly, I felt like this is not for me. (laughs) I don't like having to operate on the exact same schedule every day. I don't like having to show up at the same place and looking at the same people every single day. This is not me. But of course, when you're young and inexperienced, You don't really know if this is all there is or, you know, if there's something better, but also you kind of don't know what your options are and what's really available to you. You know, you're just lucky that someone wants to pay you to come and sit at a desk and answer phones, which is what I did. I was a receptionist. Well, actually, I interned. That's a longer story, but I interned (laughs) for (laughs) one of the country's only black owned PR firms, like super successful Black-owned PR firms at the time, actually based in Silver Spring, Maryland. So I was an intern with them. And then they hired me like full-time or permanently or whatever you call it as their receptionist. Yeah. And it, you know, great experience to start with, really great people, but I just knew that was not the life for me. Anyway, fast forward, maybe another couple years, I ended up at a totally different place doing something totally different. Mm -hmm. And it's still just, it was like, you know, I'm grateful to have a job and these benefits that all the grownups keep telling me I really need to have. <laughs> <laughs> but I hate this. You know, I really liked I liked the image of working and being a professional and having, you know, a job and income and a salary. Like all that was really sexy to me because here I am, this young thing. I'd actually pretty much dropped out of college. So I wasn't supposed to do well according Mm to, you know, society standards. I wasn't supposed to be white collar and, you know, all of those things. So the fact that, you know, I was able to kind of get thrown into what was considered really decent money (laughs) and a really sweet job, it was just like, oh, all right. Yeah. Look at you and your degree now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so long story short, I want to say... So the last place I worked as an employee, I was probably there for about eh, maybe a year when, you know, that bug started to hit me again, where it's like, yeah, this is nice. People like me and they want to pay me money. Great. But I don't like having to show up here every day. I don't like having to do the same thing every single day. And I don't know what's next for me, but it ain't this. That's really where I started to seriously consider what being self-employed would look like. I don't think I'd really considered myself an entrepreneur, or at least like this notion in my head of what I thought an entrepreneur was. But self-employed, a freelancer, what have you. I was just like, okay, maybe let me see what that could look like, because maybe I have more control over my time if I do that. Or maybe, you know, I can have more control over what I do, you know, the work that I take on. Were you maybe inspired by any other entrepreneurs or freelancers at the time that you saw doing it the way you'd like? 
Actually, no. All the freelancers and contractors I knew seemed kind of broke and <laughs> money hungry. <laughs> they seemed like they were having a real tough time. And so it wasn't even so much like the examples of other people doing it. It just was like, I know the nine to five box of an existence isn't for me. And so the alternative must be self-employment. So then it was, okay, I've gotten contracting gigs before. Maybe if I get enough of those, then I can pretty much like cobble together a life for myself that would replace a nine to five. And then it'll be great. Turns out it doesn't exactly work that way. (laughs) Were you offering like graphic design services? Yeah, I was. So what's interesting is I had never been like formally trained. I was, and with everything, I was mostly self-taught and maybe had taken a class here or there. So was I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like how do you, I mean, you can teach the principles of design and actually my like last attempt at college <laughs> was a visual communication program with Westwood okay. College. And I learned, you know, like the principles of design, all those things. And it was a really great foundational education. Mm-hmm. And after that first year, I was like, yeah, so I can just take this theory and put it into practice. I don't need to do another three <laughs> years of this, plus a bunch of other stuff that I don't care about. But yeah, so actually back at the PR firm, they had me designing stuff. And I was just like, I'm not a designer. And they're like, so what? Just try. Turns out I was good. So (laughs) even with the next job, my work, my job wasn't designed, but I did enjoy it. And I had a skill set that no one else in the company, literally no one had. And I guess it was cheaper for them to pay me to step in and do it than to go find someone else and, you know, pay them to do it. So, you know, totally worked out. So by the time this was rolling around about 2010, when I started taking, you know, the undergraduate program with Westwood and I was like, you know, I'm actually, I can do this myself. And I'd gotten really, really good. You know, then I had all this theory, you know, all these principles in my (laughs) arsenal as well. So it was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm good. I'm like a real, I'm a legit professional designer now. So people need to be paying me for this. So yeah, I was doing freelance design on the side. Even with the company I was working for, they were paying me as like their employee and then additionally as a freelancer. It was kind of interesting. And then I think like around the end of 2010, I just realized, you know, this job isn't going anywhere. I was starting to burn out with that job. It was no longer a challenge. It it had never been (laughs) interesting. But, you know, the so-called security that it was supposed to offer me wasn't enough anymore. And so I was like, yeah, this this isn't going to work. Plus, apparently... I kind of wear my emotions and my feelings on my sleeve. And apparently I kind of turned into a meanie because I didn't want to be there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. I I couldn't control it. Yeah. So there's the conversation about, you know, either you decide to leave or we're going to have to let you go. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to go. I don't know exactly what this is going to be, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my design skills and the portfolio I built working with y'all and some other folks. And I'm just going to. I'm going to try it. And so March 1st, 2011, R.M. Harrison Strategy and Design was born. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah, man. Fantastic. So you jumped out on your own. Yep. Hey, guys. Hope you're enjoying today's episode so far. I wanted to take a short break right here and ask you if you're getting ready to crush it in 2019. If you're saying, Stephen, I'm ready, but your personal brand isn't, (laughs) I want to introduce you to my personal branding course. It's called Brand You Academy. Now, Brand You Academy is a six-week online training course I've designed for today's busy corporate and sales professionals. 
as well as entrepreneurs who are looking to build an amazing personal brand and an impressive digital footprint. At the end of the six-week program, you're going to come away crystal clear on your mission, your vision, the product that is you, as well as your audience who you're targeting. You're going to have all your brand elements defined, including your personal brand's color palette. We're going to define our font pairing for you, help you to develop your personal logo, as well as your website. You're also going to come away having clarity on how to brand and optimize your social channels and be ready to wow your future customers, your partners, as well as maybe potential employers. So listen up, someone's Googling you, right? And it's time that you took control of what they are going to find and be certain that your messaging, your visual appeal, it's going to leave them ready to connect with you, do business with you, or hire you. And so due to the level of personal support that I've been providing inside of this six-week program, I can only bring in a limited number of students for next launch. And so if you're interested in learning more or becoming part of this next class, this next cycle that goes live in January of 2019, I want you to hop on over right now to tbpod.com slash brand you. That's tbpod.com slash brand Y-O-U. I want you to put your name on our waiting list. And the first 50 names on our waiting list are going to receive a $100 discount off the cost of the program for being part of our Blazer Nation, as well as I will have a free gift for my Blazer Nation subscribers. So don't delay. Start 2019 off by getting the help you need to build your amazing personal brand. Sign up today over at tvpod.com slash brand you. So let's fast track a little bit and walk us through what led to where you are today from that point, right? Yeah, yeah. What's driving you now? I guess now with much more hindsight, the biggest thing was when you're trying to figure out who you are in the world and what you have to offer, not only that people are going to see and take note of and, you know, most importantly, want to pay you for, but what's going to be like meaningful and exciting today and 10 years from now, it was so hard for me to figure that out for myself. It was so hard to piece together what's workable, what's marketable for me now that I kind of care about and enjoy and I'm good at and all those things. But what can I see myself doing in the future? And that was always a big black hole and it scared the crap out of me. I have to tell you, it scared me. Because here I am, 20-something at this point, and just like, I've got a long future of a career here, God willing, and I don't, you know, die anytime soon. Hopefully, we'll have a long, full life, and that involves working, probably, unless, you know, people don't have to make money anymore, right? right. So, but what am I going to do? Like, because I don't want to do anything that's been handed to me and stuff that I've started pursuing that I felt like, oh, I'm excited about and I'm good at and it's going to work. I got to the point where that, you know, wasn't fulfilling to me either. So it's like, God, what do I do? There was no support either for trying to figure that out. Do you know what I mean? So the people in my circle, the people I knew of, they saw me and saw like total uncanny success. (laughs) Like, how did you manage to get this white collar job, you know, making this really great salary with no education, quote unquote, no degree? then how do you leave said job with benefits? Because like, who does that? And then start a company with no business experience and out of the gate are like, how are you so successful 
-hmm. and still able to keep a roof over your own head. You haven't had to move back in with your mama. (laughs) And so people were just bewildered that I was doing so well. And so when I would say things like, yeah, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing this, or I don't know, you know, how much longevity there is in this for me. They were just like, so you just don't want to work? Is that it? Like, you just don't want to take care of yourself because you're doing well. Like, most people only dream about having this kind of success. What's wrong with you? So I thought there was something wrong, (laughs) you know, like naturally, right? Because what everybody else thinks matters that much. So long story short, I, I was frustrated with myself. I mean, I remember thinking like, I'm going to be homeless and living in a box because <laughs> I don't want to do anything. Nothing excites me. Nothing motivates me. You know, clearly money isn't even enough. And I'm just going to be this, you know, crazy person <laughs> who can't be satisfied and also won't work. And so it's just going to be homeless and whatever. Like, that's literally what I thought because I just couldn't get it together. Wow. But then I thought like, this can't be it, right? Like, I can't be the only person in the world who is struggling with this ideal model of success that the world is like kind of reflecting to me, right? Like, all the things that people are telling me is wonderful. I'm just like, yeah, but it's not enough. And so I had to figure it out. I had no choice but to figure it out, Stephen, because I had gotten so far in my business and that first business, the work had kind of evolved from design to like, sort of digital communications management and stuff like that as well. And it just kind of snowballed. And I was just kind of hobbling together all the skills and things, knowledge that I'd built, you know, in my corporate life and was like, hey, you want to pay me for it? Great, I'll do it. But it was misery. I kind of just, I hit a wall. I totally burned out. I was like, I can't keep pretending with these folks anymore. I'm grateful that they want to pay me to do something they can't do for themselves or won't, but I'm unhappy. And I certainly don't want to have the same experience with clients that I was having with my job where they're saying, you know, either get your act together or we're done. Because at this point, it's my reputation as a business owner, right? Mm -hmm. So this isn't just like, oh, she had this job and, you know, it didn't work out. Like I'm putting myself out there as a serious business person. So I got to, you know, I got to be more strategic about this, but I just was miserable. So long story short, short, I think about close to the end of 2013, I just kind of told my clients, hey, thanks, but... I'm not going to be renewing our agreements. I won't be available to do this kind of work anymore. And then kind of just spent about the next year trying to figure myself out. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a long, messy story. But I would say at the end of the day, what I had to discover was who I wanted to be in the world. And what did I already have just inside of myself inherently to offer the world that was meaningful and valuable, but also marketable? Then what could I do (laughs) that was both valuable and marketable, but also something I'd want to commit to doing, that I would be motivated to putting my energy and time and all of that behind to build and cultivate over the next several years of my life? So we're talking about meaning beyond money. Exactly. What does success mean to me? You know, what were the tenets of that? And, you know, how could I cultivate that with my career and not feel like I was sacrificing who I was or, you know, my own, you know, as I say, sacrificing my soul. How could I not pretend? Like, how could I thoroughly actually enjoy whatever this work is going to be? So yeah, it really was just a, a process of discovery in, of myself, of what I really had to offer, of what people valued, you know, about me just as I was without doing anything, just kind of being. Right. And then realizing like, if I'm going to have a really great, wonderful, exciting career, 
then it's got to be something that kind of comes naturally, right? Like something that just kind of rolls off because then it's not all that much effort. And then if it's kind of effortless, then, you know, it doesn't take quite as much to do and keep doing every day, right? Mm -hmm. So then the harder things are more bearable because for the most part, I'm doing something that comes natural that I enjoy. But yeah, so going through that process, I realized a few things. One was that success would only be meaningful or only be sustainable if it was also fulfilling, right? So like that was like the first principle, I guess, (laughs) I realized about about success for me. And that fulfillment had to have something to do with me and what I value and not what anyone else thinks or values. So then it was, you know, obviously answering those questions for myself. What matters to me? What do I value? Success also would only be sustainable if I didn't have to work crazy hard all the time, like stretch myself just to work Mm -hmm. hard, just to get the money I needed. So it had to somehow, there had to be a degree of effortlessness for this, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, for it to work. So yeah, just sort of operating from that, I realized, you know, there are probably a lot of other people who are struggling with the same thing, maybe who are starting businesses or pursuing or considering entrepreneurship, who maybe have dabbled in a few different things, but haven't like found any momentum with any one thing. And it's not because they can't do it or they're not going to be good in business because they refuse to attach themselves to something that they don't really see themselves doing for the long haul. And as you know, entrepreneurship is tough. There's a lot of resilience and dedication and commitment that you really like every single day just have to be able to refill. And so if you don't see any longevity in it for yourself, you're not going to be motivated to keep showing up. Powering those words. (laughs) It's interesting you say that because when I began reading up about you and, and let me pause right there. And before I forget, let me give a big ups to Jennifer Witter who introduced us. But, you know, I started reading up about you and your messaging connected with me. Despite the fact that I know you focus, you're targeting women entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. I connected to your message because I remember I'm back in middle of 2011, almost seven years into a business, into a partnership that had seen every imaginable high and low. (laughs) But emotionally, I was checking out. was so hard because I'd invested so much time and it was such a critical part of, you know, my twenties into my thirties and all said and done, I opted to walk away from what I had built for mm-hmm. very little. You know, yeah. at the time I walked away, the business was trending up. So it wasn't that things were bad financially, but I was no longer satisfied yeah. in, in the work I was doing. So I really felt this connection to, you know, what you're messaging and you're offer and kind of the services that you're offering to others. Yeah. I'm curious to know why focus on women entrepreneurs where you essentially, you've shared a little bit that, you know, you're scratching your own itch and, yeah. and was it just finding, you know, ways to serve that up to other women? You know, honestly, it's one of those things where, and you probably know exactly what this is like, you either have an audience or you have to create one, right? Absolutely. And so women were around and they were the ones who heard my story and resonated with it. They were the ones who kind of kept showing up in my orbit. And so obviously being a woman, being an entrepreneur, coming up, being told that, you know, you need to marry a a steady man (laughs) who can take care of you, you know, everything from that to 
you know, always have a good job with benefits, you know, like, and being somewhere in the middle, no man, no job with benefits. It's like, okay, like I still have to figure this out for myself. And so there were other women who were kind of in that same space who were kind of struggling with those things as well. So honestly, it just, it was easiest. I'll be honest. It just was easiest. Mm -hmm. It was easiest to get the data about the struggles and challenges that, you know, this demographic was facing. It was easiest to get people to be responsive. Sometimes it was like pulling teeth, but again, like these were the folks who were there. And I guess also, like I said, being a woman, it just, you know. Right. I imagine that you had a start point scratching your own itch and then really confirming if there was ability to scale. Yeah. Yeah. With other women in a similar position. I'm curious now, what's opened up for you in, you touched on relationships, but what's opened up for you in your business and relationships and your health and all other sides, right? Since focusing so much on this personal fulfillment factor. Yeah. So I think one of the things that helped so much was finally coming to the place where I understood my own genius and my own mm-hmm. worth. Wow. Not just you know, what I'm worth, like what people should pay me, but what is the value that I bring to the table? What is it that I have to offer that people want (laughs) and need and want to pay me for? And sort of what's the magic in that, you know? So once I figured that out and I realized, honestly, what I do exceptionally well has nothing to do with how much time I spend doing something or any specific deliverable, you know what I mean, that someone needs from me, what people get the most out of working with me is not tangible at all. So, you know, obviously it's kind of tougher to monetize (laughs) until you kind of get to the nugget of what that value is. But once I realized how powerful and meaningful and useful that is in this particular market, it was like, I can do this. (laughs) And I think that's what improved a lot for me. So I had had a ton of anxiety for a while. So I'll say between like 2014 and for a good part of 2015, I lived with daily anxiety. This isn't something I really have talked about much, but was kind of like in and out of depressive states, Mm. had moments where I just felt worthless and, you know, whatever. Because I was putting all this pressure on myself to figure out how, you know, what the next business was going to be and like, how do I make some more money? And oh my God, I'm going to have to go to a nine to five again. And people are going to think I'm a failure, you know, all these things. And if I can't make entrepreneurship work, then I may as well not even be here because I definitely cannot make a nine to five thing (laughs) work. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, it's just a sidebar here. It is dangerous to silo yourself as an entrepreneur. That's probably one of the biggest lessons. One of the other big lessons that came out of that period for me, other than the self-discovery, it was realizing like you got to surround yourself with people who see you, right? And who see your value. But also you can't let entrepreneurship be the only thing working in your life because when it doesn't work, oh my God, it's a mess and you have nothing to fall back on. It is a hot mess. But anyhow. I think you need to repeat that, man. Oh my gosh. There's so much power in that for entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. I think, again, I shared with you, you know, this business that I exited in, in 11 collapsed. Mm. In, I mean, we accomplished failure on a massive scale, mm. as my friend Kanika Tovo would say. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, and to that point 
up to June of 08. I got married in June of 08. I was 31 years old. My sole goal was to become a millionaire by the time I was 30. Mm. And I was 30 at the beginning of 08. And our accountant said, hey, you know, you're a millionaire. Three, four months later, I'm below broke. I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Business is wiped out. And to your point, everything to that point was focused solely on the monetary. Mm -hmm. And so when that business collapsed, I mean, we were below zero, Mm. right? Like financially, emotionally, you know, in every way, we really felt like there was no meaning to life, right? And so that depression and anxiety is real. It took a lot for me to, and by the grace of God, it was that point that really helped me to grow spiritually mm-hmm. and in my relationship with my wife, because we started off three weeks into marriage being in the hole mm-hmm. several hundred thousand dollars. Woo. So there was that. <laughs> but I don't want to glance over what you just talked about with the depression and anxiety. And I'm happy that you're transparent and open enough to share that because I've been there. And Mm -hmm. a lot of what you're saying, I can connect to and confirm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for the entrepreneurs listening to this conversation, it's very important to acknowledge and just to communicate that, you know, growing in isolation, it's like trying to grow as a Christian in isolation. Mm -hmm. It just isn't happening, right? You need the support of other people around you to be able to grow. Yeah. And so even if you're not in a, a business partnership, it's important that you find other like-minded entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that you can bounce ideas off and be open and candid with and express what you're really feeling, yep. you know, and get really real because you don't want to go down the path of doing what you just said, right? Like <laughs> you took a year or two between those first couple jobs. I probably had like a dozen jobs, RM. Yeah. <laughs> Out you to college smart. In, in like a three-year period. Like I was like, I'm going to fail as fast as I can to figure out where I need to be, right? Yeah. I, I've always had this entrepreneurial gene, but yeah, we're all over the board now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and just to that point that you were mentioning though, of just having other entrepreneur friends and sort of not trying to grow in solitude, I would say too, I mean, I think when you're an entrepreneur, like that's across the board. That is literally your kind of your identity when you are entrepreneurial. Really, what you're doing is seeing opportunity and everything, Mm -hmm. right? You're seeing, oh, there's a need here and this could fill it. Or there's something lacking over there. You know, that could easily be fixed with a product or, you know, something like entrepreneurs see opportunities to create social and economic impact, to create value. And to get value in return, i.e. make money. Like, so you're going to do that in your sleep, right? Like, you're going to clip your toenail and think, (laughs) you know, there's a better way to do this. And I'm pretty sure that it's not on the market. (laughs) Like, that's just how we operate. But I will say, too, that there has to be other things. Like, that is still not the only way that you are useful and valuable in the world. And it certainly is not everything. So whether it's volunteering at church or, you know, somewhere out in the community or just prioritizing spending time with non-entrepreneur people in your life, what I had to learn, and it was such a tough lesson, was it cannot be your everything, especially a business. It can't, just like a job, can't be your end all. You need other things in your life to fill your cup because I'm telling you, when that thing 
does not work out. And it may not necessarily be that it's not working out financially, but like you were saying, when you had emotionally checked out, there is nothing left. And it's just like a deserted wasteland. And all of your energy and focus has been sucked out by this thing. And now you have nothing. So I want to talk to you about that. And you're speaking to women entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's a good process for, or women entrepreneurs? And I'm taking advice to some brothers listening, (laughs) arms talking to her women, but we can apply this too. You totally can. What's a good process to follow to overcome this emotional roadblock in business? I think the first thing is to honor the fact that you're there. I think a lot of times we try to ignore it because you got to keep moving, right? You got to keep making the money, got to keep giving the deliverables, you know, you got to keep producing, but you're in this space because something isn't working for you anymore. So the best thing you can possibly do is just to recognize it, acknowledge that this is happening and then figure out why. Yes. There are a myriad of reasons, but in my experience and in that of the folks that I've spoken to over the years and worked with over the years, it's that you've reached a point where you haven't achieved the potential that you thought you would have. Right. Or there's a level of fulfillment that's missing for you. And now it's just, it's rearing its ugly head. So I love that you said this because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I come back to right now, I've gone through an exercise a couple of years ago and I encourage a lot of people that, a lot of clients and people I consult to. And I challenge them to look first at what that 20 to 25 year picture looks like for them, mm. right? Like, what's the legacy play, right? Like, mm-hmm. when all is said and done, when I look out, I have an eight year old and an almost four year old kid right now, mm. and I'm 41. So I'm looking at this like, all right, I have another good 20 in me, 25, right? Yeah. What does my legacy to my son and my daughter look like mm-hmm. 25 out from now, right? Mm-hmm. And then begin to backtrack into, okay, that's what I want, you know, in 25. What does 10 look like? Yeah. What does five look like? And a couple of years back in 2016, I actually wrote out my 10 year big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Oh, wow. My BHAG. And I said, hey, you know what? I would like to accomplish these things by the year 2026. And I mean, big, lofty, crazy goals, right? Mm hmm. And since I've done that RM, I found that every single year becomes easier for me to step into the year, not with these crazy New Year's resolutions that I start off the year with and I have no idea where they are come <laughs> June, right? Yeah. Instead, I'm looking at 2026 and I'm saying, all right, what boxes did we check so far? Yep. And you know, what stepping stones do we need to lay down so we can get this year, so we can get to that point in 26? Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I think, you know, that connects to what you're talking about, right? Like, if we don't have the vision Mm -hmm. and the legacy and have that connect to the values, right? Because that was a big part of why I think I hit my emotional roadblock Mm -hmm. in 11. I didn't see this business was successful but it wasn't connected to the things that I valued. Exactly. And I feel like that's kind of where if we're not satisfied and we don't know that, you know what, over the long term, this is work that ties to the bottom line, but also ties to that purpose and passion play. Mm-hmm. 
it ain't going. <laughs> it's not going to work. No. I guess some people can fake it, you know, or they can compartmentalize in that way where it's like, oh, well, my job doesn't have to be fulfilling or, you know, my business doesn't have to be fulfilling. I have other things in my life. So, you know, I just spend my time doing this. I don't understand how people can do that, though. Like, unless maybe you're the kind of entrepreneur who just throws your money at a business and it's like right. you can just decide, OK, this is making me money or it's losing money. You're in or you're out. But for most people who are actually running their businesses and so much of the success and, you know, the continuation of that business relies on your presence and your involvement. You have to give a damn. Can I say that? Mm -hmm. You do. So, (laughs) yeah. You absolutely do. But, you know, it also comes back as you're saying that. I'm thinking that it depends. It comes back to, well, it depends. It depends on... What you money, what you value, right? Maybe because maybe it's getting you what you need, and then that is then supporting the other things, right? The other things that you really care about, which is like, okay, good for you. I feel like for most people, especially the women that I work with, you know, it's they can't compartmentalize in that way. It's such an integral part to their existence. You work to live. And that's an important distinction to make, too. You are not living to work. You're working to live. And so this work has to support your life. And your life isn't just paying bills. You know, your life is spending time with your kids or with your partner or traveling the world or, you know, nurturing other creative or, you know, passionate endeavors that you have. It's being able to sleep (laughs) when you really need it and not have to sacrifice the things that make you whole just for a business. And so if the work you do, not just the money you earn, but how you're spending your time and applying your energy every day, if it doesn't support that, then you're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to be dissatisfied. You know, I found in my own journey, and I'll share this, to avoid a burnout, I found that including service to others mm. was key. For me, that worked through volunteering in youth ministry, mm. but serving others in your business or in your venture is huge. It creates so much more of a rewarding, you know, it's just rewarding to see that this goes beyond the money and this goes beyond you, right? Now that's if you are seeing those outcomes. And so that kind of goes back to sort of that point of unfulfillment, especially for a lot of the people that I work with. And this was the story in my case as well, where like you may be doing good work for people and they appreciate it, but the outcomes that they're getting as a result of your work doesn't really line up with what you actually care about and value. So it's like, yeah, you're able to do that thing. Nice. But it doesn't have, the impact doesn't really, you know, correlate to something that really matters for you. And so there's still that emptiness, like, okay, they like it. That's great. And they paid me super. But you know, do they really even know the value that I've put into this work? Or like, do they even really understand, you know? It's like, because you're not seeing a certain kind of outcome that you want, maybe something bigger than just something you've handed off to them. Then it feels like you're, what's the word I want to use? It feels like somehow you're not really living up to your potential or like you're being underutilized. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a terrible feeling. Oh my God, it's a terrible feeling. It's even worse when you run your own business and it's like, wait, I created this? <laughs> this is of my own doing? But yeah, so yeah, it gets really frustrating 
So you were asking me about like the process. I don't know if you wanted to go back to that because yeah, truth you speak. So we're at like a forty-five minute mark. So here's what I want to do because I probably have like another good question in me before I need to draw to close here. Okay. But what is the advice that you want your women entrepreneurs to hear right now who are connecting to some of this? Well, the work I do is all about pivoting. And that isn't always just jumping tracks and starting over. Actually, it's never starting over from scratch because I do not believe in that. I had to do it. Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It sucks. And it's totally unnecessary. (laughs) Totally unnecessary. But understanding that pivoting really is about recognizing what isn't working, what is not aligning you to where you ultimately want to be, and changing your approach to ensure that you get there. In order to do that successfully, you have to be clear on where you're headed, though. But to understand that pivoting is a natural, normal part of the journey. Success isn't linear. Life is not a linear experience. So, you know, you start down a path, you realize it's not taking you where you want to go. You pivot. And if more people lean into that instead of worrying about what the implications are going to be professionally, financially or whatever, I think the easier it is to kind of maneuver, you know, and navigate those shifts because you understand it isn't about where it's at exactly today. It's about where I'm headed. And if what's happening now isn't getting me there, then it's not working. I need to pivot. So yeah, that pivoting shouldn't be scary. It should be something you embrace. It should be something you look forward to, actually. And you can make a plan, you know, like they say, they have the plan A's, plan B's kinds of things. You can say, I'm trying this because I feel like this is going to get me to where I think I want to be. But if you realize that that's not the case, just be willing to. And similar to what I was saying before, don't ignore the fact that something's not working. Just embrace it. Figure out what's next. Figure out how you're going to navigate around that and just go for it. Yes. I'm I'm like surprised that <laughs> we've gone through this much time. I'm like totally engaged in this convo. All right. So before we wrap up, though, there are a couple of questions we ask all our featured guests. And so I'd love to have you share any books that you're reading now or maybe you've read lately that we might find interesting. <laughs> Is it? Super weird to mention my book, The Pivot Map. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> I tell you what, share your book and share another. <laughs> well, yeah. So my book, and it's a really nice short read. I tell people you can have it. Like, you can finish it like over breakfast on a Saturday morning. But yeah, it's like the guide to uncovering your path to sustainable success as an entrepreneur. And I focus primarily on service-based folks, but honestly, it can apply to anyone. But it's what do you do when you've hit an emotional roadblock with your business and you realize you need to pivot? And then how do you sort of navigate that in a way that doesn't destroy all of the momentum and success that you've already built, but instead leverages that to support your transition? So yeah, it's a really good, good read. So um, tell us the name of the book again. It's called The Pivot Map. Uncovering Your Path to Sustainable Success (laughs) as an Entrepreneur. And you can find it on Amazon Kindle. Good deal. I'll link up to your book on our show notes page. Is there any any other books that you wanted to share? Perfect. Goodness. I've been a little lax with the reading lately, Stephen. I'll be honest. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Your other go-to business book. Well, it's funny. You know, I don't really read business books. I end up reading like personal development kind of stuff. And it's going to sound really, really strange. But it's a book by Iyala Van Zant called In the Meantime. And the reason that I think it's probably really worth noting here is 
when you do find yourself in this kind of awkward space of being emotionally checked out in your business and trying to figure out what's next, there's this huge question of who am I in the world and what do I have to offer and what am I good at? What am I going to do? And am I totally going to follow my face if I give this thing up? It's not satisfying to me to try to pursue something new. And the book really kind of, it deals with like who you are. And like how you can nurture yourself and what you bring to the world and what your real value is. It, it deals with finding yourself and the love you want, but it has so much to do with like understanding what makes you whole and how do you deal with these weird gray areas in life that are going to happen where you're, you know, you're not entirely sure how long it's going to take to get to the other side of it. So like, what do you love do it. with yourself in that time? So <laughs> surprisingly, in the meantime, by Ian Van Zandt. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Last question for you. What's one action that we can begin doing right now that's going to help us on our own pursuits to blazing our trail? Decide who you want to be in the world and make sure that the work you do aligns with that. Be honest with yourself. And if it does not, pivot. R.M. Harrison, thank you so much for being our guest. Tell us how we can stay connected to you and we'll wrap up for today. Well, you can find me on Instagram. It's underscore hello R.M. Harrison. That's probably my favorite place on the interwebs to hang out. You can also find me on Twitter at hello R.M. Harrison. And then, of course, you can learn more about my work at rm-harrison.com. Thank you, R.M. Thanks, Stephen. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers. Cheers.